Warning, the podcast you are about to hear is often based on true events and people. It chronicles the dialogue and actions of random, anonymous, obnoxious, self-entitled, unintelligent, self-centered idiots, attention whores, ignoramuses, dolts, clods, nimrods, douches, weirdos, drama queens, overly sensitive crybabies, and people who think they are better, more important, and special than the rest of us. In one word, amateurs. It's Amateur Nation with Lou Santini. We call attention to and call out the amateurs. The people who are doing life wrong. The speed bumps of life. The people that are in your way every day. The unintelligent, obnoxious, attention-whoring, self-entitled drama queen victim types who chip away at the moments of your life due to no self-awareness, common sense, matters or social skills, and are disturbing the flow of the pros. Hi, Mom. Oh, hey, Lou. Amateur Nation. It's not just a podcast. It's a movement. What have we got here? A fucking comedian. You got it. This is episode 201. No amnesty for Amateur Nation. And as always, fans first, shout out to Jonesy Sounds following this podcast on SoundCloud. And I want to thank all the listeners throughout the first 200 episodes as this podcast has evolved, grown both in audience size and popularity as well as in content. It shifted focus and gets more and more gloves off each week. I respect the pros who listen and put on the big boy pants and can handle the sarcasm, the audio drops, and the jabs that I throw towards Amateur Nation every week and laugh with me and at me. I hope you enjoy the show as much as I enjoy putting this together every week. Please spread the word. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned during the a la carte segment, this, that recently I was waiting for a connecting flight in Nashville, and it hit me, this idea for a gentleman's club in the airport. And I said, suddenly your three-hour layover doesn't suck. And hats off to Neil Aronson of Los Angeles, who replied, you can call it the stewardess lounge. You have more than one dance stage, and you can call them gates. And the DJ announces the dancers like, now boarding on gate one, Marcy! I don't know why he picked the name Marcy. What about Bubbles or Candy or whatever, a stripper name, you know, Crystal, I don't know. Uh, That was just brilliant. Thanks, Neil. Tell me that idea would not work. Oh, wait, never mind. Amateurs will be offended. Although I thought stripping was empowering for women. Whatever. Let's just get to episode 201, shall we? Let's have some action. Let's have some asses wiggling. I want some perfection. Here's what's happening in Amateur Nation. Hit me. Topic number one. Topic number one. We're coming heavy right out of the gate with this topic. Now, I forget where I saw it, but I saw a post somewhere that read, which tech will lead to communism? And the list of articles that popped up was alarming. With titles like, is tech leading us to communism? Will technology lead to successful communism? Does modern technology enable communism? Big tech, out of control, capitalism, and the end of civilization. And are we headed for automated luxury communism? Just to name a handful of article titles. Here are some of the lowlights, if you will. From the article, Is Tech Leading Us to Communism? This. They're arguing that capitalism will ultimately not be able to face the explosion of technological change that the 21st century is bringing, which is pushing us to a post-scarcity world, one where markets no longer really work. The only way capitalism can survive, they say, 
is by using legal threats and patents to artificially restore scarcity. The article continues, Karl Marx described communism simply as a stage after capitalism and socialism where we, through technological innovation, eliminated scarcity and where we can work as much as we want and consume as many goods and services as we need. It's a world similar to the one shown in Star Trek where machines called replicators produce every good and service almost for free and where we can just cruise around the galaxy investigating scientific mysteries. Or imagine an Amazon automated supermarket, one where you don't need to pay when you leave. Kind of like the thugs in Los Angeles who just walk right into stores and walk right out because Los Angeles has that rule. If you steal less than $900, ah, you're free to go. An automated store where you don't pay when you leave. What could possibly go wrong? I guess the entire earth will be on the honor system. And I'm sure those that don't follow the honor system won't fall to any harsh consequences. This from the article entitled, Will Technology Lead to Successful Communism? One of the main reasons communist countries struggled so much is because they were unable to perfectly allocate resources. In a centrally planned economy, either a single person or a group of people must decide the exact quantities of goods which are to be produced. This is an impossible task because of the sheer scope of information required to make such decisions in a reasonable manner. To top this off, the central planners of the communist countries of the 1900s were responsible for understanding this data and making decisions largely without technology at their disposal. Stay with me. The article continues and says, while European communist countries failed en masse, the invisible hand of capitalism allowed buyers and sellers to determine pricing and from there allocate resources. Now, in the age of big data and advanced processing, the role of a central planner would be so drastically changed that it may even be possible. As more and more aspects of our lives become increasingly integrated with technology, oh, you mean invaded and intruded upon by technology and tracked and traced. Incredible amounts of data are being recorded. You mean tracked, traced, and saved. The very idea that social media sites and market sites like Amazon say, well, we don't save your information, could be one of the biggest insults to Americans' intelligence ever. Anyway, the article says this is resulting in an increased measurability of the world around us. Do you see what they're saying? They're, they're saying the reason communism never worked before is because we didn't have the technology to allocate resources exactly. Well, now with everything you buy, everything you, you, you drive, every time you order uh, Grubhub and have food delivered, every time you go to the grocery store and you buy groceries, they are tracking, they are measuring not only what you bought, how much you spent. There's, uh, how, many, how many pounds of peas a year is Lou Santini eating? Answer zero, peas are gross. But you know what I'm saying? They are keeping track of how much gas you buy. How much electricity you use, how much food you eat, what kind of food you eat, how often you eat it. They, they have immeasurable amounts of data on you because computers are so powerful now. So they're saying that communism could work because now we have the means to allocate exactly how much you, the person listening to this podcast, needs to live, to survive, 
Not thrive, not excel, not succeed, not get ahead. But just enough to keep you around, to be a good little worker, so that the higher powers can profit from it. The article continues, as more of the world becomes digitized, there is a massive increase in data recorded. Utilizing this data, an advanced enough computer program could conceivably play the role of a central planner. If the computer had access to enough data, it could potentially make informed decisions related to price and resource allocation. You know, like the electricity for your electric car. This program could operate efficiently enough to enable a communist country to succeed economically and actually live out Marx's dreams of equality. Using a computer program to serve as the central planner would, in theory, result in an optimal allocation of resources providing the staples of a happy life to the citizens of the country. Yes, the computer will make us all happy because easier and faster always provides happiness and knowledge without emotion and other immeasurable factors like physical, mental, and emotional needs eliminates any problems. Always. Duh. I mean, come on. Ever since computers came out, isn't your life perfect now? The article continues. As artificial intelligence software becomes more advanced, this could be a potential application. Central planners failed because they were not omnipotent enough to control so many interconnected aspects of an economy. But where they failed, a computer has the potential to succeed. Running the economy of an entire country is no small feat, but computers are the perfect candidates. This from Are We Headed for Automated Luxury Communism? While improvements in machine learning, artificial intelligence, big data, and robot automation could mean huge advances in medicine, science, and commerce, and human understanding, it's also undeniable that there will be consequences as well. These technological advances represent a significant challenge to capitalism. Together, they are poised to potentially create jobless growth and the paradox of an exponentially growing number of products manufactured more and more efficiently, but with rising unemployment and underemployment, falling real wages, and stagnant living standards. In fact, it's already begun. The rate of technological progress and worker productivity is on the rise, but wages are stagnating. Factories are eliminating jobs, and researchers estimate that anywhere between 35 and 50% of jobs that now exist are in danger of being lost to automation. Introducing the theory of fully automated luxury communism, an idea and ideology that in the near future, Machines could provide for all our basic needs, and humans would be required to do very minimal work, perhaps as little as 10 to 12 hours a week, on quality control and similar oversight to ensure luxury for everyone. Robots, AI, machine learning, big data, etc. could basically make human labor redundant, and instead of creating even further inequalities, it could lead to a society where everyone lives in luxury and where machines produce everything. Funny how communism diminishes the idea that a person's worth, fulfillment, happiness comes from an honest day's work. Pros get it. Millennials and amateurs have been trained, programmed, and raised into a life of ease. Automation, AI, and voice-activated and home-delivered everything. Talked about this many times. Just recapped it on the, the, the landmark episode 200 last week. I highly recommend you give it a listen if you're new to the show.
Mark my words. Those who, how do I put this, are in the the thick of their lives, the meat of their lives, the young, the middle-aged, who will be part of that automated society, they will die early, fat, drugged, very mentally ill, unbalanced, and with the sense of, I should have done something with my life, with no purpose fulfilled. And thusly, alcoholism and drug addiction will surge. Suicides will increase. Don't worry. Big Pharma, they got stuff for that. They are quite doomed. What, amateur nation? You don't think that won't happen? You don't see how you feel and live now? Do you not see that? With your purple hair, your constant changing sexualities based on moods and trends, your dependency on prescription drugs to even you out, your precious anxiety, your inability to be in the moment but rather living in and through your phone and social media, here is the list of people who will benefit from tech-fueled communism. The already extremely wealthy who invent and market and feed you ease and their kids and their grandchildren. That's it. There's no room for new people in that. That list is done. You are not on it, amateurs, millennials. By the way, the article snippet I just read from is more than six years old. Science, you crazy bitch. (laughs) Yeah. Topic number two. Recently, there has been multiple posts on social media regarding something Amateur Nation euphemistically calls pandemic amnesty. Amnesty! Such a powerful, noble word. Particularly, many posts have cited an article written by amateur Emily Oster in The Atlantic, with the title of the article being, Let's Declare a Pandemic Amnesty, and the subtitle, Let's Focus on the Future and Fix the Problems We Still Need to Solve. You and amateurs like you, Emily Oster, are the problems we need to solve. As RuPaul Chada, MD, said on Twitter, instead of begging for pandemic amnesty, why not admit you were wrong and be accountable and now join the team that would work hard to preserve our freedoms, our health over the uh, big pharma slash the government and never let something like this happen again? This post from Northeast YAL They made you lose your job, close your business, violated your bodily autonomy, broke up families, devalued our currency, and so much more. We do not apologize for protesting tyrannical orders, and we rebuke any apology given by those who destroyed our lives. I thought about that post. I got off easy in the grand scheme of things when it comes to the pandemic and the shutdowns. I waited out the shutdowns for seven long months in Los Angeles until I had enough filth, crime, blight, joblessness, no means to entertain, audition, or in California's case, even socialize. I couldn't work. I I couldn't perform on stage, on camera. I couldn't audition. I couldn't do anything. Emperor Newsom had everyone so scared in the seven months I was sequestered. I had four people over for my birthday in those seven months, and they were kind enough to ask to come over, and then two other friends came over to my place to say goodbye before I moved back to Ohio. I had them, uh, I had to go to them or meet on a sidewalk cafe for drinks, only after having our temperature taken, and then the hostess opened the metal gate, you know, like a split rail fence that was waist high, 
to let us have a beer, literally on the other side of the stupidly fenced-in sidewalk cafe. Luckily, I didn't or now don't have a wife or kids or their corresponding jobs and school changes to contend with. That is always such a hassle when you move, you know, anywhere, let alone cross-country. Luckily, I didn't suffer ill health during that time, so I was able to endure the mental, physical, and emotional stresses and strains of a cross-country move back to my home state of Ohio. Luckily, I had the financial means to make such a move. Luckily, I didn't have to leave a tenured job. Luckily, I don't have a pre-existing condition like, oh, I don't know, paralysis, dialysis, or even something more simple. Think about someone who suffered all of the things mentioned in that previous post that I read. What if you lost your job, which meant closing down your business, something maybe you've been building up your entire life? Or was a family-run business passed down through the generations? What if you got the untested gene experiment? What if your family disowned you because you did get the shot? And as a result, you suffered depression, weight loss, weight gain, or any other physical ailments associated with that life-altering stress. What if, in addition to all that, you already had a serious health condition that made things even harder? What if after you, quote, did all the things they told you to do, quote, you found yourself broke, unhealthy, jobless, without meaning, family and friends, and now suffer ill effects from the untested gene experiment? There are people that got kicked in the nuts at every turn. And sadly, some people are still staying loyal to the government. The worst part is, there are probably tens of thousands of people, just in America alone, who fall under that category specifically. Could you blame someone for snapping and making someone pay, so to speak? That would test even the strongest-willed person. And now Amateur Nation says, oopsie, our bad, let's move forward and forgive us assholes. Never forget the words of Emily Oster, who wrote this during the mask and vaccine pressure push. Shaming people who haven't gotten vaccinated is not likely to work at this point, or ever. What will? Individual family pressure. Maybe vaccine requirements for things you want to do. Domestic air-slash-train, travel-slash-work, sports events. Yes, we can have these without shame. She said that. And now she wants pandemic amnesty. Let's move on. Fucking commie. A pox on your household, Emily Oster. You deserve all the bad things coming your way. Was that harsh? Really? Really? Compared to what she said and pushed for? It's not even in the same stratosphere. She needs to lose everything. And it's important that she lose it because someone else made her lose it against her will. This post from pro Matthew J. Peterson. Hey, sorry you lost your job because of the vax that doesn't work and your grandmother died alone and you couldn't have a funeral and your brother's business was needlessly destroyed and your kids have weird heart problems. But let's just admit we were all wrong and call a truce, huh? If you're going to lie to me, tell me there's a broad waiter in the car. I want to tongue my balls. This post from Carnivore UK on Twitter. They put you under house arrest. They isolated and murdered the elderly. They forced an experimental therapy on you. They called you a granny killer for wanting to breathe fresh air. They fired you. They wanted you dead. And now they really be like, oopsie daisy, get fucked. 
Pandemic amnesty. The abusive spouse who wants you back. I can change. Can't we move forward? This is about us. Feelings and other cliches. No chance in hell. Amateur nation, you are forever labeled. Oppressive, abusive, wrong, stupid, weak, misguided, commie. You earn the scarlet letter, wear it until you die. True Social, Lou Santini 3. Instagram, Lou.Santini 3. Getter, at Lou Santini. Subscribe to Lou Santini Entertainment on Facebook and YouTube, where every Thursday is Sneak Peek Thursday with a 60-second video preview of what's to come. Topic number three is next. And by the way, did you know no amateurs tees are half off? Here's me to tell you more. Hey, pros, Lou Santini here. They're running out and half off. No amateurs men's and women's t-shirts. Normally $22.95, now just $11.48. The men's tees are a soft, high-quality, pre-shrunk cotton poly blend in sport royal blue. Displaying the no amateurs logo with the waving American flag set at the top. The women's tees are a lightweight, super soft, high-quality, pre-shrunk cotton poly blend in royal blue. And are fitted. Displaying the no amateurs logo with the waving American flag. T-shirts just $11.48. Please add $6.95 for shipping and handling for all orders inside the U.S. Spend 50 bucks or more and your shipping is free. Available at lucantini.com slash shop. Be a pro. Say no to amateurs and order your half-off no amateurs t-shirt today. There's been an odd shift in human behavior over the last 15 plus years. A sense of entitlement. A constant need for attention. Ironically coupled with the need to be left alone. A desire to be treated the same as everyone else. Stupidly combined with the mindset of, I'm special, so treat me accordingly. Introducing the book, Amateur Nation. The Decline of Common Sense, Manners, and Social Skills. The second edition. Inside, you'll read the Amateur Mission Statement. The 30 Truths About Amateurs. The Four Stages of Being an Amateur. Amateur habitats and history. Social media plus me, me, me equals amateur. Technology and amateur behavior. With dozens of real funny photos, weird signs, and laugh out loud real life accounts and actual conversations vividly showing how us pros are surrounded by amateur nation every day. Download the expanded second edition of the ebook Amateur Nation, The Decline of Common Sense Manners and Social Skills. The second expanded edition. Available now. Be a pro. Go to Amazon. Type Amateur Nation. Number three. The new pronouns are here. One episode past show number 200, and we got the latest, freshest, stupidest pronouns available. Now, before we start the fancy learning, here's a question for you. Before I play this audio clip of an adult teaching you the new pronouns, are you picturing a well-groomed, refined, respectable-looking adult who oozes credibility and authoritative voice? Or B, a rainbow-colored freak show who just turned 21 in denim overalls, a rainbow logo on a shirt, multicolored lips and eye shadow that looks like it's applied by a blind clown with epilepsy, and has a voice that sounds like a host of a Saturday morning children's show? If you said B, you're a pro. Now, before I play this, know that this amateur talks really fast, and the words, the pronouns she's made up, literally, are <laughs> spore and spores. But Lou, when would I ever use those words to describe people? Don't ask stupid questions, pros. Just nod and obey. I'm going to be teaching you how to use spore spores pronouns and sentences, so let's go. Spore spores pronouns are neo pronouns. 
pronouns. But why would a person want to use force force pronouns? For example, a person who has been struggling with gender lately. This person has already tried using he, z, it pronouns, but still doesn't feel right using those. So this person wants to try new pronouns that relate to nature. Therefore, force force pronouns could feel relatable, especially because this person feels a strong relationship with nature. But anyway, here's how to use force force pronouns in sentences. Spore is such a wonderful person. Spore's smile is so contagious. In fact, I saw Spore make a whole audience smile. I think Spore should be very proud of Spore self. Oh my goodness, we made it through! And if you need more help on how to use neo pronouns and sentences, that should help. Remember to always stay curious about yourself. And I'm so sorry that I have the comments turned off right now. Comments have been very rocky on this channel, so I just need a lot of love and... That's next level amateur. Help, I can't use pronouns. Jesus Christ almighty, I'm going fucking crazy. Here's Matt Walsh on PragerU summing up pronoun use perfectly. A lot of this is uh, is just it's just standard narcissism. Yes. Especially you listen to these, you know, why is this so common among celebrities now? All the celebrities have, have uh, trans kids and they're coming out as non-binary and whatever else. And then you listen to them, like Demi Lovato or whoever, and you listen to them explain why they're they them it's always well i just uh, I, I just i don't identify with these labels i'm beyond that i'm above that it's like these labels <laughs> were good enough for billions of humans before you but it's not good enough for you you can't find yourself there but but all these other billions of human beings it was fine they had no problem but you're so special that we need to change the rules of the english language for you specifically it's it's incredibly egotistical Spore is smart. Oh, I love that music. Lighten things up a little bit. A little a la carte menu. Here we go. Pennsylvania Senator John Fetterman looks like early man. Amateur Nation. So you're saying the human race has evolved. Into a third sex, that is, trans. This is a new thing. We now have new sexes. You're okay with inventing new sexes. Not hairstyles, fashion, technology. We're now at the point of just inventing new types of people. You think that's a thing. You're idiots. What do they do that for? Because they're stupid, that's why. Scrabble. What is it about that game that all of a sudden we count one at a time, out loud, when we add... Right? Any other time, if I said, what's 1 plus 5 plus 6 times 2? You'd be like, 1 plus 5 is 6, plus 6 is 12, times 2, 24. Done! Play a game of Scrabble. 1 plus 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, plus 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Double word score, that's 12 times 2. Can you hand me that pen? Just kill me. People make fun of landlines, but you know what landlines do not do? Listen in on your conversations, track and trace you, or drop calls. I'm going to make a topic of this possibly on next week's episode. Good thing we talked out all of our problems and differences on the internet, right? It always helps to talk things out, doesn't it? Answer, no. Sometimes it's better to shut the fuck up and ignore each other. That's the lesson. It's fine. I hate you, but can we not talk about it? That's all I ask. Can I just bask in my hate? I don't want to cause any trouble. Just let me hate you privately. Let me hate you. Okay, I'll be respectful to you. I, I, I'll pretend. Right? I'll be polite. I'll be nice. I have manners. 
But if I secretly want to hate you, let me hate you and you not know about it. We don't have to talk everything through. We were getting along fine before that. Yeah, we had some problems, but we're certainly not like we have now. Now we're talking shit out. And where did that get us? You know, we get to know each other, right? Air out all of our shit. And then at the end, all we wind up thinking is, yep, they were a dick, just like I thought. I used to love home improvement shows on TV, but I cannot stand the idiotic banter from these home buyers, right? You got a broad walking into the kitchen. I could see myself eating here, sitting at the table. Yeah, it's a kitchen, you dolt. Okay, then the husband has to come in. This would be my man cave. Big screen TV right here, having snacks, my feet up. They never comment on the bathroom. I could see me taking my morning dump here. The Powerball was $2.2 billion recently. Yeah, I admit it, I took a shot. I mean, hey, I had just as good a chance as anybody. And I obviously didn't win because you're listening to this episode. <laughs> but my girlfriend was so sweet. She says, I know you bought that ticket and it's not like we're married. So if you did win, that's your money. You don't have to share it with me. That's a good woman, right? And I said, honey, what makes you think I'd share this with you if we were married? All I'd be thinking is, who saw you last? I have to assume the press secretary for Kamala Slingblade Harris has an ulcer the size of a cantaloupe. You know this poor sap prays for Kamala to get laryngitis. She's like a dripping faucet of inanity. Here she is again, cackling like a simpleton as always. Well, let me just say... I love Venn diagrams. <laughs> I really love Venn diagrams. You know, the circles, right? Three usually. <laughs> she could be the first person in history to laugh about Venn diagrams. Just because we're in episode 201 doesn't mean I still can't find three things that are done right. This is three pro things. Number one. Sadly, the 2022 NHRA drag racing season is over. But as always, it never disappoints. Matt Smith is one season championship away from being the GOAT in Pro Stock Motorcycle as he won his sixth world championship and his wife Angie won the final event in Pomona this year. That's a good day at the office for the Smith household, huh? Ron Capps won back-to-back world championships, his second as a team owner. His main sponsor, Napa, loves him, I bet. Now, I mentioned in episode 199 that Erica Enders clinched the Pro Stock title one race before the final race of the season, but the biggest story of the year in the NHRA was a two-parter for Brittany Force. First, yet again, she set the national speed record during qualifying in Pomona with a 3.641 ET and a top speed of 338.94 miles an hour. Give her two years, and she hits 340. And we can't keep shortening the track anymore, Brittany. And she also won the world championship in top fuel. Number two. One of the all-time great comedians, and you can ask any comedian, is Brian Regan. Every comedian's favorite comedian. A dozen hours of squeaky clean, 
universal material. You never hear a bad word about him being hard to work with or any drama about his personal life. He just delivers on stage. I met him once after sitting in the front row at the Irvine Improv in the early 2000s, and it was a real thrill. Now, admittedly, I saw him perform in Ohio about six months ago, and I was a little disappointed. But you know what? That's stand-up comedy. No one is immune from a bad show. That's why I like it. I mean, even Tom Brady has a bad day on the field, right? It does indeed happen to every comedian, sometimes even in front of huge crowds. But, boy, watch his latest Netflix special. It's not even a new special. I just stumbled upon it recently. It's called On the Rocks, and you will see a master at the top of his craft. Now, in this special, as always, his material hits home with most of his live and viewing audience like aging, time, obsessive behavior, backpacks on airplanes, ungrateful horses, and raisins. <laughs> Anyone who knows Regan and his style will tell you it's animated and high energy, and there's about a 10-minute chunk where it gets to be a little forced, but I get it. It's what the crowd came to see, what audiences expect. But overall, this performance is probably his best recorded special since his iconic I Walked on the Moon special. If you're looking for a family-friendly hour of stand-up comedy this holiday season, you will not be disappointed. Brian Regan, On the Rocks, on Netflix. Number three. Let's wrap up the show with some common sense, shall we? This from Dinesh D'Souza, who simply tweeted, If asking for an ID before you vote is voter suppression, why is asking for an ID before you buy a gun not Second Amendment suppression? Huh? How, how do your arms not go up in the air after something like that, right? Tell one person about this show if you like it, or if you hate it. Earn a free No Amateurs t-shirt if I read your email to me on the show. My email address is lou at lucantini.com. Subscribe to Lou Santini Entertainment on Facebook and YouTube. Follow me on Truth Social, Lou Santini 3. Instagram, lou.santini3. Getter, at Lou Santini. Amateur Nation is not just a podcast. It's a movement. 201 episodes and moving forward. Remember, amateurs, we see you. You're not at home. Don't do life wrong. Go pro. Don't be an amateur. For Amateur Nation, I'm Lou Santini, and this has been a big major production. Well, let me just say, I love Venn diagrams. <laughs> <laughs>